Hi, and welcome back to the How to Decorate podcast from Ballard Designs. We want to teach you how to decorate your home and unleash your inner decorator. So we'll be interviewing interior designers, stylists, and other talents in the design world, sharing the trials and triumphs of our own homes, and also answering your decorating questions. I'm Caroline. I run the Ballard Designs blog, How to Decorate. And I'm Taryn. I'm on the product design team at Ballard. And I'm Karen, and I head up branding at Ballard. And we are your hosts. Hi. Let's do some trials and triumphs. I think we've all been busy since we can't leave our house. Oh. Right? (laughs) Our houses. I think everybody's been like making their homes such a better place to be. So I only know mine is. I know I've been obsessing. Oh, you have? Well, tell us about it. Yeah, what are you obsessing Um, over, Caroline? Everything. No, of course, we were like. (laughs) 80% 80% done with all the projects we had planned. And now I'm like, oh, well, what if we do like this room? And like, maybe we need to rethink that. And Will's like, can you quit it? Yeah, like, stop it, lady. Let's, yeah. But let's enjoy um, what we have for a minute. Not like I can throw stones. Come on. I'm the worst at that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think the thing, well, I, I won't get sidetracked. Um, okay. So my trials and my trial is. <laughs> So this is not my story. This is Will's story, but he recounted it to me. And um, so I'm going to share it with you. (laughs) But um, so he was taking Blair on a walk in our neighborhood and was meeting, was chatting with this neighbor. And then another neighbor that we hadn't met before came up and like they were all talking together. And um, this other neighbor that we hadn't met before joins and he was introducing himself and when he did that, he said, we live in the black house and, um, or I live in the black house with my wife. And, um, the, the neighbor was like, oh, oh, the black house. Yeah. You've caused some drama (gasps) in the neighborhood. (gasps) No, we did not get any clarification on what exactly that means. Like, I don't know what yeah, the drama what is specifically drama. is. Yeah. Um, so I need to figure that out. But that sort of led me to wonder. And um, y'all, I want y'all to hear, I want to hear y'all's thoughts. But, you know, the thing about being a neighbor and being a good neighbor is you want to be considerate. But how much does that extend to the look and feel of your house? Because... From my point of view, our house was not attractive as a before shot. Like, I think I've told y'all that we called it the Golden Corral. It had this vaguely commercial look to it. It was, it did not have any curb appeal. So my thought is, okay, even if you thought, even if you think it's ugly now, wasn't it just as ugly before? It's just a different kind of ugly. So like, why do you care? It's too cool for them. That's the problem. Yeah. I don't it's, think yeah, it's not ugly yeah. now, Caroline. Don't it's just changed. because it makes yeah. it makes them uncomfortable doesn't mean you should feel mm-hmm. guilty. And I, I I totally believe that we should be considerate of our neighbors and all of that. And I think, you know, going into like a historic neighborhood and tearing down a house and building a modern house is the wrong thing to do because you 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 should try to preserve the integrity of the neighborhood. But you live in a, a neighborhood that has a lot of ranches that mm-hmm. and 
and funky and ranches. Funky ranches. And the ones that have embraced sort of that modern vibe and pushed it a little bit that are around you look really cool. And that's exactly what you're doing. I totally agree. I know. I think okay. you're just, you're keeping the integrity of the neighborhood. I think it's just different and they don't know what to do with different, like Karen okay. said. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm certainly not going to unpaint it, right? Like, you can't really do anything about it now. So it's sort of irrelevant. But it just was making me think, hmm, well, I want my neighbor. I mean, we want to, you know, you there's certainly more be, we can do. You want do. them to like it, right? Right. Because they have to look at it too. But I also, Plus it makes I'm not going to not do something just because. <laughs> right. I know. think if you were literally painting large words on the side of your house, <laughs> might be questionable. You know, yeah, I could or see the whole them house maybe, orange or something. I don't feel like, yeah, I I feel like what you guys have done has really elevated it design wise and it's just different. So they don't know what to think. So, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. No. That makes me feel better. And yeah. it's not unusual these days for people to paint a house black. Uh, I think, you know, five, mm. 10 years ago, nobody was doing that. But I think that's pretty, um, I wouldn't say common, but cool. And hip. Yeah. It's a cool thing to do. You're mm-hmm. cool. And you're, you're a cool, cool cat. I'm so, so cool and hip. I really I know. Am. <laughs> Caroline, you're too cool Plus, for us. Plus, as we've learned through this, you can't make everyone happy. So you yes, can, who knows what that neighbor mm-hmm. thinks versus another neighbor. So, well, our next door yeah. neighbors both love it. So there like, you go. And is immediately you know, your neighbors also, so. isn't one of your neighbors also painting their house black? They, yes, that was their plan. I don't know if they're still doing it. Um, but <laughs> yeah, they saw yours are like gross. Never mind. <laughs> No, they said they loved it, but they were just like, maybe we should do two back to back. But I was like, you do it. It would be a theme. All right. I don't care. You're like, yes. You did that poll in Instagram about your front door color. Yes. Oh, yeah. What What did people say? So, y'all, I had so many, I had so much feedback. It was so, no, I loved it. I mean, here's the thing. I'm not going to do, I wasn't planning to repaint it like right now, right right away. I just didn't 100% love it. I don't dislike it. It's not offending me. So I'm not really motivated to change it right away. But I was just sort of thinking about other things that could be fun. And um, I got some really good suggestions. And I, so I mocked up some of them in Photoshop. And y'all, the one I kind of loved the most was, weirdly, Peach would have never in 10 million years thought of that. And then I also really liked lavender, which I would have thought would have been too sweet. Yes. That was one. I was you know, one of those for the yeah. black, but I kind of liked no, the lavender. So I kind of love it with it. I don't know why. I mean, when you were talking about in your Instagram, wanting people to understand where the door is because mm-hmm. it's off center and it's a little ambiguous when you walk into the space, like, where do I enter? Right. I think having that value shift yes. from the black to a pastel really makes it stand out yeah, um, and help people find it. Oh, and that lavender against some like green and some planters, like mm, some shades pretty. of green will be pretty. so pretty. Think of a hydrangea. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, we have, why don't well, people paint their doors more often? It's easy peasy to do. I don't do it. But I'm wondering like seasonally, <laughs> it's something that you could do seasonally, honestly. Oh, yeah, my husband like actually has agreed to do it once a year for me because I was switching every year That's for a awesome. while. That's awesome. I know. He was like, only once a year, but once a year I will paint it a different color. And wow. I was like, yeah. Cool, dude. Well, I know, Yeah, it's right? so low commitment. And right. I I'm, I think it's a fun opportunity to like surprise people. And I, well, clearly we don't need 
any more shock value in our, in our house. But I think if you do have a more traditional house and you want to really stick with that, then mm-hmm. your door color is somewhere where you can have like more fun. And if you hate yeah, it, you can't see it takes a day door. to repaint it. Yeah. Plus, I really do think your door is tucked in to Karen's point. You have to be walking mm-hmm. down your driveway or Just, like really yeah. like looking for your door to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it's super fun. Well, yay. Thank you. I like all of your feedback. Mm-hmm. And I and everyone who um, responded on my Instagram, that was so nice. It was, that was kind of a fun little exercise. So it I was. will – it's not on my weekend plans, but I will update it at some point and I will share the results with you. So Fun. Yeah, I want to yes. see it. I love it. So all I guess right, that's I my trial and my triumph. Yes, it's your turn. Yeah, you go. Okay, so remember how I told you last time about – you know, my son, Zach, breaking all of his bones. <laughs> yes, you poor okay. thing. So in preparation for him coming home and staying here for a couple months, I had to prep a main floor bedroom. And so I was in there, you know, just trying to figure out like pulling rugs up because he's in a wheelchair and, um, you know, just kind of rethinking stuff like that. And the drapery I had in there, this is my initial, remember the drapery I bought? It was too short. I had to add fabric to it because I don't know how to measure Remember all that? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. It looked really good when it was done, but it wasn't super functional to close. So if you slept in the room, the oh. panels, it wasn't, I needed really two panels on each side because it's a kind of a wide window. And it just looked, I think one of our podcast guests said, you know, if it looks like a sheet, when you draw it closed, you don't have enough panels. You know, it needs to have a little more fullness <laughs> to it. And so it kind of looked like that. So in anticipation of him arriving, I was like, I really need to get some panels in there. So because I know he's going to be in bed a lot and blah, 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 blah. So, of course, I went on our site, <laughs> bought four panels yes. that I really love that happened to be on clearance because also I'm like, I don't really want to pay that much money for him. <laughs> um but I got these really cool panels that I like and they're, they're sort of a taupe and then they have a white stitching on and that looks like wood grain. Mm-hmm. But again, I did not measure and I got the wrong like <laughs> again, uh, again, again for the same exact room. Same exact, same exact y'all. Karen, that's Karen. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> oh, is it? Especially because right now with like COVID still so strong, you really don't want to like overly return. Like, you know what I mean? You're like, you're like, I want to like be more methodical so that I don't have to go return things. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I hung them up. They're in there. (laughs) They come to the bottom of the sill. It looks like a giant cafe curtain. Um, But they're doing the job. How are you off so much? See, black is a hip thing. Cafe long cafe panels, right? not I'm a starting hit a trend. You're bringing like, it back. Oh, am I? Um, I don't know. I don't know. I, for some reason, in my head, I had 84 inches, and what happened was last time I bought 96, and they were too short. I should have bought 108. Yeah. Uh, I'm stupid. So that's my trial. <laughs> but I do have a triumph. I mean, they're working. I mean, they're working fine. It just looks janky. Um. Okay. So. Our company announced, uh, I don't know, a week or so ago that we're going to be all working from home at least till January. So I told you guys I'd set up my little office in the sunroom and I had just thrown up a party table, which is 48 inch round with a white tablecloth, which worked fine. But it really was not an efficient use of space. It's a big round table and it took up a lot of the room. Mm -hmm. So I decided I needed to get a desk. Yes. 
Um, except I didn't really want a desk because I'm thinking, well, after this is over, hopefully one day this will be over. <laughs> right. Right. What am I going to do with this desk? I don't need a desk. Right. Generally speaking. Um, so I ended up uh, getting a console um, and I got, I'll tell you the name of it. It's, oh my gosh, you guys, it's called the Karen console, but it's spelled C-A-R-I-N. <laughs> so <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. The Karen bone inlay console. And of course I got it from Ballard Designs. Um, and, <laughs> but what I was looking for was something really long. I wanted a lot of space because I work with, you know, big pieces of paper, like 11 by 17s. Um, I wanted it to be long and kind of deep. Um, and so it's, 60 something inches long it's nice and wide um and deep enough for me to have like a riser and then my laptop in front of it it's nice it's great and it fits perfectly in this window um yeah i'm in love with it but the thing is and for can you send a photo yeah i will i've got before and afters because i was thinking about caroline yay but the thing that people should note is that consoles and desks are different heights we so Right, Caroline? So they a console are. is like 33 or something and desks are 30. 34 or 32 are consoles. And seat height, again, being around 18, makes your surface working height around 29 and a half, 30, 30 and a half, depending how tall you are. That is the range. So we pretty much do tables and desk at 30 inches tall. So consoles are higher. So continue, Karen. Right. So I've already noticed that it's not comfortable to work on. Um, I ordered a little clip-on um, keyboard, keyboard holder, mm-hmm. so I don't have to drill anything into my thing, and that's supposed to arrive today. But if that doesn't work, what I'm planning to do is just chop the legs off an oh, inch yeah, or two. Oh, yeah, it has a little tapered leg, doesn't it? It has a straight leg. Oh, it's a straight leg. Even better. Yeah, chop so I'll off. chop that off, and then who cares if my console is two inches shorter later. But what yes. I don't want people to do is go out and buy a console because I also have heard in the marketplace that desks are very hard to find right now because everyone's sold out. Mm. Um, so if you end Good up point. using a console for a desk, be aware of the height, you guys. Measure it because you're going to give yourself all kinds of back, neck, shoulder pain if you're not paying attention sure. to your ergonomics. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Those are my trials and triumphs. Those are great. It is a really great looking console. Oh my gosh, it is so good. And it's Taryn, did you do this one? I mean, you guys, the price is phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal price for what you're getting. This thing looks like it was hand carved in India. It is so beautiful. I think it is hand carved in India. It is. It it looks like it because the quality is is phenomenal. I'm I'm just bragging on us. And it has no reviews. And no stars. And I'm not allowed to review it because I'm an employee. But if I could review it, I'd be giving it five stars. Yeah. Well, I think this goes back to what, who were we talking to? Oh, you know what it was? We were talking to, I need to give a shout out as well. We were on Rachel Cannon's podcast and I was listening to it because, you know, I want to make sure I didn't sound dumb. And um, we were talking about how all the good stuff goes to clearance. So that's true. For all of you listeners, if you want to know where the good stuff is on our site, it's usually (laughs) in the clearance section, unfortunately. And then in my house. and, and then Karen buys it. <laughs> yes. And with this console particularly, well, you'd see we did the stretcher in the back yes. so that you could easily put in some little X benches or cubes tucked underneath. If you're using a console as a desk, a stretcher is amazing to have because you can put your feet up on it. And that's also really good for your ergonomics. <laughs> there you yes. go. See? Yes. Love it. Well, this is perfect lead into mine because okay, my triumph it. is that when they did announce it was going to be at least till January, um, I went and picked up my desk chair and ergonomically it is so nice. I was in a one of our Macau chairs. 
I, do we still sell those? Yes, They're we old do. school. Okay. Yeah. Um, I've been bamboo. using, yeah, mm-hmm. and it has a cushion. I've been sitting in that and it's been perfect. Well, I, it's just nice to be in a desk chair. That w- that worked for the past five months, but it is nice mm-hmm. to be in my desk chair and kind of adjust it and it pushes in and out. And I'm sorry if you can hear Elliot in the background. Oh, he's <laughs> okay. cute. Okay. Ergonomics are a real thing, y'all. Pay attention to them. Pay attention well, to you, how your body yeah. is situated. You'll know if you're fatigued or like you're, you know, blur your vision. Mm-hmm. Like it's all of that for sure. Mm-hmm. So I would totally recommend if you have that option with work to get your screens, get your desks, chairs, if you're doing a work from home situation, because it mm-hmm. has made a difference and it is not attractive and it is in my den, but you know what? Nobody is also coming in my home right now. So <laughs> yeah, Elliot doesn't is, care. Elliot doesn't care. He loves the leather. Ugly I bet sofa. he loves to sw- spin around. <laughs> Does he like to spin around in uh, it? I have not shown him that yet because I've okay. learned that once you Maybe do something oh, once you with can't a child, take it back. You, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So no, we yeah. haven't touched it yet because I he would enjoy it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good um, point. And my trial is uh, kind of COVID related still too because that's still going on. And um, I did kind of make a decision on daycare for my family, as you can tell. You can hear Elliot, and I apologize. Um, <laughs> Um, and I think we're all doing that right now and really trying mm-hmm. to be good about people's boundaries and what they may feel comfortable doing. And so I talked to his daycare and <laughs> sorry. And it's okay. He, um, I f- asked if I took him off when the wait list was for his room and it's January. So that's not too bad. And right. I probably wouldn't honestly be thinking about it before January. So I am going to take him out and piece it together with help from family and make it work for the next five months while we, while the world figures things out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, But just making that decision actually made me feel better because I've Mm -hmm. been so like on the fence every month calling the daycare being like, I don't know, you know, can I, I just, I'm not comfortable. So, um, just making that decision made me feel better. So my trial is I made that decision. So I don't have <laughs> yeah. so I don't have care until January. And I hate that for him too. But he's two and a half. He's yeah. not gonna, you know, three. He's not gonna know he's missing school. So instead he'll just hang out with me. He'll be real cool by the time he heads back to school. That's right. <laughs> so. He's gonna love bright colors. But anyway, my point is is with everything in life right now that we can't make many decisions and can't see past tomorrow and this week. And it was, it felt good mm-hmm. to just make a decision for yeah. myself. Yeah. So that for way I'm at least, yeah, one at way or another. Take that so, one thing off your list. Oh, yes. it is. It, I think that's what it is. You know, it's very much like I've made the decision. I've now got to figure it out myself, but at least I've made the decision. So yeah, I was kind of fighting with that for months. So anyway, so it's a trial and triumph, I guess. We'll see. It's probably a trial. Cause I said, I'd, <laughs> find help for my kid for the next few months so, <laughs> so if y'all are looking or bored let me know right? so do you want are you gonna do like do you want a nanny you want a or yeah i don't know yet um yeah. i luckily have um some good in-laws who are very helpful yeah. um and they've been really great about it so i think i'm just going to continue to play that um and hopefully make it work so mm-hmm. cool. and if not right. i'll find a nanny yeah so keep us posted I will. Thank you, guys. All right. Let's get to our guest. Let's do it. Okay. 
Okay. So our guest tonight is an award-winning designer here in Atlanta. Her name is Tish Mills. Her business, Tish Mills Interiors, has completed projects all over the world, including China and Africa. And she's known for her livable spaces that reflect a homeowner's personality and the way they live. Her work has been featured in El Decor, Traditional Home, Atlanta Homes and Lifestyles and Atlanta Magazine and more. And we also worked with a worked on a show house together many years ago. So we are old friends and we're thrilled to have you on the show. Thank you so much for chatting with us. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to have this conversation. Yeah, welcome. Yes. Well, one of the things that I real I thought was so interesting is and you described on your website or you used a word to describe your designs and it was peaceful. And I um there was one project in particular. It was a project that had the fluted kitchen. Oh, yeah. oh the kitchen, yes. And I loved I felt like peaceful was the perfect word to describe it. Um and so I was wondering if you could tell us, let's start there, and maybe you can tell us a little bit about that house and how you came up with these fluted kitchen cabinets. Cabinets, they're amazing. That is one of my favorite projects of all time. Um, in fact, it's one of my favorite clients of all time, and um, I'm now working on um, my third house with her, wow. what, which is a carriage house at the moment, but then we're starting, I guess, would be the fourth project. Um which is going to be an absolutely amazing property in Greenville. But, um, but anyway, South Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, Very they, cool. Um, Did you know, a- fun fact, every state has a Greenville in it. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, <laughs> South Carolina's Greenville is going to be pretty cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they, um, they're going to be up in, on the mountain and Paris mountain is going to be unbelievable. I'm so excited about it. Cause I just love these clients. So the project that you're talking about, um, was a ground up. We had been working on the first house together. I was so surprised when she said, you know, we're thinking about building because there are some things about this house that we just really can't solve. And it took me back a little bit because the house we were working on was absolutely stunning. But we sat down that very day and started working on the program. We started working on what were the wants, what were the must-haves, what were the things missing in the current house that would be in the next house. And I was left. But I can was you give a few yeah. little examples of what you mean? Because if, like you're saying, it was already a stunning house, but it, it was great. It was missing, like what? Mm-hmm. Well, one of my favorite things that it was missing, and um, and actually I had to tell her last week, or I got to tell her next last week that I ended up incorporating it in our new house is um, – they love to entertain and mm-hmm. she is an amazing cook. So whether it be the, just them, the extended family or 200 people, it doesn't matter more likely than not. She's the one cooking for the event and she really wanted an entertainment closet. So it's this yes. oversized pantry that had everything that she could see the, you know, all the glasses together, all the tablecloths hanging, all the, um, candles all the you know everybody's nodding their head i mean what woman does not want an entertaining so that was one of the ones that was not possible within the house um the other thing is um her last house was right on peachtree battle it was just a really it was a beautiful classic um house that had been renovated but there was no keeping room or family room that was really part of the kitchen and that was something that was not solvable they had a fantastic porch Mm-hmm. That was right off of the kitchen, 
but there wasn't a way to gather as part of the entertaining and cooking and all that together. So those were two of the examples of things that, okay. that she, they just mm-hmm. really want, she really wanted to incorporate. Um, so it was great because I was a part from the day one, you know, I, I went through the builder interviews, I went through the architect interviews. Um, we really very quickly built a team that was really collaborative and that's one of the reasons why the project comes off looking so effortless is because every person in on the project was in it. You know, they were part of it. It was how do we work through things like the scalloped wall on one end of the room. It's a, it's a very atypical house because in the center of the home is this really large room that was like 40, 40 to 45 feet long and 25 feet wide. Wow. And at wow. one end... Yeah, no, it is, but it's, it's the, the big family room and kitchen is all of it together. So once you start thinking about it, it's a really big room, but it's not huge Mm -hmm. considering that it was several rooms together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So it broke a lot of rules in that the kitchen was just part of the family room. Like there was no walls, there was no furden opening, there was nothing. It was just, so the scallops, she didn't want the kitchen to look like a kitchen because it was part of a bigger room. So by scalloping the back wall of where the cooktop is and the refrigerator and the morning kitchen, it helped let all of that kind of go away. And the thing that's interesting about that is that's actually, um, well, not at that yet. It's actually almost 20 feet across at that end. Then at the opposite end of the same room, if you look on this, on my website, we repeated the scallops to be the family room end. The thing that's really amazing, the cabinet company for that was Carpati. They had to make that in one piece. So to see them come in and get that, right, everybody's nodding their head, right? (laughs) Get it installed and perfect. Um, But then the fireplace, if you look really closely, you know, it has to be non-combustible around it, right? So mm-hmm. we repeated the same scallops in limestone. So the cabinet company had to send the exact template to then the limestone carver to make sure that that was exact. Wow. wow. The so they could align. Wow. I didn't realize any of this from the pictures. I have it's to go really back amazing. And, and really then if you look, examine. I could talk about this house all night. It makes me so happy. <laughs> on either side of the fireplace, um, Joel Kelly was the architect on it. And he did an amazing job of coming up technically how to embed metal into the openings to hold her pot collection, that it just looks like the metal pieces are floating, but they're completely supported. I mean, there was so much technical, every player, the builder was Tony Reeves, like everybody came together and worked through every issue and that's why that space looks so peaceful. It looks effortless because it was so thought through. We had so many meetings and it was just, (laughs) it was, but the good kind of meetings, right? They're really working and raising the bar and how can we insert lighting and um, what kind of reveal line has to be at the top of the scallop. So when the wall is pushed up, it can clear to come vertical Mm -hmm. because if it went to the ceiling, it would get stuck on the way up. Mm-hmm. So what did the little line have to be? And I mean, there was just so much that went into it. Let me ask you this, Tish. Um, so this client started with you, 
her designer, her decorator. And then the two of you, or, you know, maybe the two of you and her husband or whomever, you and the client went and put this team together, the, the architect and the builder. Is that the order that it should go in if people are building or if they if they've already worked with a builder, should they start with their builder and then go find a designer and an architect or start with the person you trust or does it does the order matter? Um, the order doesn't necessarily matter if there's one relationship that you have as a um, as a homeowner that's strong, whether it be an architect, a builder, designer. Great. Start there. The most important thing and one of the things that was my job. I think without, it was kind of unspoken, but well, as we went through meeting with everybody was to watch the chemistry and to watch how everybody interacted so that I could give opinions later because, you know, there's the old adage that um, it's like getting married. Well, it is. And so everyone has to gel really well and has to have a mutual respect and has to um, appreciate appreciate what each person brings and push each other and collaborate and be open to ideas. And so that's really the most important thing is how the end team comes together. Makes sense. Because you're not going to get along in that first meeting. You're definitely not going to be getting along. (laughs) You know, something isn't right. You know, we got to figure it out. Then things can go really awry, I imagine. I always Mm -hmm. tell people, I do a lot with construction, probably 85, 90% of my jobs start with either ground up or a large scale renovation. I love, love, love everything construction. Um, and I always tell clients it's a lot like labor. It's a lot like, um, <laughs> like giving birth. Yes. Ooh. Because there's a labor? moment that you're going through this process and you're like, Oh my God, what have I done? I need to turn back. Mm-hmm. Well, there's <laughs> not, you're not turning back. It's I just put my okay. house down. I can't do it. Yeah. <laughs> right. Listen, we're all pregnant now. We're good. Yeah. So it's either, um, you know, it's either because on a renovation, there's, you've gone X many things have been discovered that are beyond what you could even predict, you know, and you feel like you're hemorrhaging money. Or if it's a ground up and it's a rainy season and you get pushed back several months because it rains every single day, which it can in any part of the country, just about. Um, or whatever the thing is, right? Mm-hmm. But at right. the end, when you move in and you get there, it's a lot like when you have your baby and you look at them and go, oh, this was great. I'll do it again. <laughs> <laughs> I always tell people, you're going to get there, I promise. So when you're having a rough day and you're feeling like, why did I do this? I can't believe I'm pregnant. You know, I can't <laughs> believe I'm embarking on this house. Just remember, you're going to look back. I promise. And a big part of what we do is we're therapists through it. Sure. And that's fine, too. It's all part Mm -hmm. of our job. Tish, Mm -hmm. have you um, and your family built a house and or majorly renovated one or 500 of them? (laughs) Yes. Um, In fact, um, I remarried four years ago. Um, I've renovated a lot over the years and my husband has as well. Um, But I married. Let's just ask, did that lead to your divorce? No, Karen, Karen, and I'm actually good friends with my ex-husband. So, Um, but um, we are affectionately known as the designer Brady Bunch because he is also in the business, but on the commercial side, he does more interior architecture and interiors. He's with a really big firm. So, when we were getting married, we did what you would expect. We bought what was probably the ugliest house you could imagine. 
<laughs> right before getting married as yes. we were selling to, I mean, I'm the person I'm talking about. We're selling his house. We're selling my house. We have two children graduating from high school and we're getting married in Europe. So we You're all crazy. have to get- Just simple stuff. And so, You're crazy. so why don't we buy a really ugly house right in the midst of it? So that's what we did. Um, and we tried to catch our breath when we got back and started life together. And um, we were just changing out the master vanity. Like we had just said, we're going to wait. We're just going to wait to renovate. We just need to get in our family groove of all seven of us living together and um, with the five pets. So it's a, it's a lot going on in the household. Well, (laughs) one of our good friends came over and Scott and Jeff were just taking out four tiles, just four ugly tiles in our bathroom that needed to be replaced. So we could put in this beautiful new vanity to keep me happy for a while. Third tile, major water damage. So I come walking in the bathroom and Scott was like, well, you're going to get the bathroom of your dreams because (laughs) all of this has to go. And I was like, what? So next thing we know, I actually have pictures of him sitting in the middle of the floor with his hands on his head and there's destruction everywhere. So by the time it was over with, we completely reconfigured the master bath. We added a powder room. We added a walk-in closet. We did all kinds of stuff in that part of the house. We got all of the kids' rooms situated and settled. And then we came back later and did it again with the kitchen and added our six by 14 pantry that holds most of what you would expect in a kitchen other than most of the major appliances and appliances. And it even has like this great built-in dog crate for our dogs and so we just finished that again so but we love it like we're we're those sick people that are addicted to it Mm -hmm. so I'm sure well you know we love this house now the ugliest house. we still have to do the front drive up the front door and all we'll do that next but we'll be happy for whatever period and they'll be like oh we need to go find another really ugly house (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's great. That's well, so it's great. clearly you're in the right profession because yeah, definitely you can't keep yourself from doing it. So, well, I've been on construction sites since I could walk. Um, my dad's actually one of the four people who developed Hilton Head, um, oh. one of the four major developers. Whoa. Before that, we lived in Lake Tahoe, and he was a. Um, I'm from California. He was a big developer up there, and. So like just the idea of construction sites, all of that is just part of my blood because I've always been around it. Mm-hmm. Well, Tish, Taryn's getting ready to rip her house down and build a giant house. Do you have like <laughs> any pearls of wisdom other than calling you? <laughs> yeah. Let's just go ahead and say, I, like you were just saying, so I'm essentially already pregnant because we have, we're, the ball's rolling, but I, <laughs> I haven't hit the, like, I have to give labor section (laughs) seriously make sure are you knocking your house over and starting ground up or are you doing a major okay so first thing is make sure that you really love your team okay um that everybody is super open and there's not a lot of the southern thing where um where you're like, oh, wait, they said that, but is that the thing they meant? Or was that a bless your heart? Like, mm. are we like really straightforward with each other? You need that. Does that count as my husband as well? Just yeah, Okay. All right. Um, and then <laughs> the make is, I'm sure you know this, but make as many selections as possible, even before you break ground. 
Like every project I work on, it's all about staying really far ahead of the builder because you do not want them to wait on anything. Got it. So, um, yeah. So, and the schedule is going to move. So even if they give you the great looking flow chart, it's a starting point. It's, you know, let's just say they say it's going to be whatever, a 12 month build. It's likely going to be a 15 month build. If they say it's going to be an 18 month build, it's going to be a 22 month build. Things are going to happen. It is going to rain. Um, <laughs> it's going to monsoon. <laughs> your goal is to stay as far ahead as possible, especially if you have carry costs on it, right? That's what I always tell myself. I don't want my homeowners to ha- to deal with carry costs on a loan or loan coming towards the end of the construction loan and not being finished. So yeah. it's just staying far ahead and asking questions and having team meetings is really important. And getting the people together on the site, have a schedule of when the team will meet. Hmm. So those are my big ones. That I would- and I, I, like, don't be afraid to, if you don't know something, say, like, what does that mean? Oh, Lord, yes. Right? There is I think no people are right. easily intimidated by professionals in other industries where you might not know a term or you might not know. I mean, it happens at work all the time where, you know, someone from someone else, some other company is I'm in a meeting with and they use some acronym. I'm like, uh, should I, is, am I dumb if I ask what that means or should I Google it real quick on the side? <laughs> so I think it's totally good to raise your hand and be like, I don't, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? I think that's really, really great advice because it's way better to ask the question beforehand than one walk in one day and be like, um, what's going on here with this wall? Mm-hmm. And they'll say the word and you'll be like, oh, that's not really what I thought that was. Mm-hmm. So great, great advice. Let me ask you a question about, um, renovating how, how much decorating should someone do and, and I mean decorating sort of in like the conceptual sense before they start building like should you have floor plans of your furniture should you just think more loosely about you know rooms like how I guess much planning should you do before you actually actually break ground I I tend to do a master furniture plan really early. Um, And the reason, and it it can be just the layout. It doesn't have to be the actual pieces yet, but size and placement. And I talk with homeowners a lot about, you know, from the plan, typically architectural plans will have some furniture dropped in, but it's really for scale. A lot of times, unless they really know you and they have interior staff on staff, because they, it's all about the livability and, and how you're going to live each live in each space and the traffic patterns through the house, you know, where do we need to leave things open? And um, so I do that plan really early because it impacts a couple things. It impacts lighting because you want, you want to control what's going to be bright and what's going to push back a little bit to create a little bit more of the shadowing our mood. So you can control what's important within a room. Um, It, Also, on the electrical plan, it can really impact things like outlets to make sure that, you know, your sight line down a hall isn't a light outlet in the middle of the wall if you aren't planning on a chest being there. Um, Or um, the other thing, HVAC, which is a little bit harder because it's fairly standard where they're going to put vents like to the outside to force air into a room. But do you have to have a vent right under where the drapery is going to be so it gets the big billowing thing? Or can you adjust that? Or um, if there's going to be a vent 
or even a return in the wall right under or behind a chest. Well, that doesn't work. So then you can have some of that conversation to, to alleviate change orders, which is really good goal, alleviate change orders. Right. That's very smart. Uh, it's so hard. Oh my gosh, it's such a complicated thing. But I guess that's why we employ professionals because it's, it's an expensive, I mean, probably for most people, the most expensive thing that they'll do in their life is to build a home. And, you know, met, like you said, messing it up or changing it midstream is mm-hmm. a very expensive mistake. Right. Agreed. And the other, the other person I tend to pull in really early is the cap are the cabinet people. Because architectural plans, a lot of times they have a good look at a kitchen, but once you get the cabinet company, the kitchen designer collaborating with them as an interiors person, as a homeowner, then um, on almost all my jobs, there ends up being small framing changes that have to happen. You know, if um, there's a certain length that you need to make sure that the oven and the steam oven and the refrigerator all fit on one wall. Okay, well, you might have to move something six inches or eight inches. Better to know before before you've started, you know, and you're still on, or even before you started framing. So we, a lot of times, in fact, on all my projects right now that are in construction that haven't broken ground, we're well into cabinetry already. And it's to make sure of any little changes exactly to your point so you don't have to do it later. Mm-hmm. It seems to me like your overall kind of just rule of thumb is plan everything because that alleviates change orders. Right. Plan everything you can. (laughs) Everything you can as early as you can. And so you have a good roadmap. And if, as you're getting into it and the house is framed and you're like, oh, okay, I'm standing in the space and the scale is different than I was expecting. And I get, well, why, whatever, the cabinets are there. But, you know, I think I think lighting, I might want to be a little different. Even though you have a rough plan, you have a game plan, nothing rough is, nothing's been roughed in yet. So they, you can literally look in the space. It, it really helps with a lot. I imagine. Um, Taryn, you ready? Don't screw this up. You're going to be fine. <laughs> Do you ever have clients who get very scared in the middle? Like how I would imagine I could put myself, I'm actually kind of going through this in a very, very small way now, but like when you have a vision of what it's going to look like, but you're only halfway there. And so then you start to doubt yourself. Um, what do you do? Do you oh, just stick with the plan? Scary. Do you, you know, consult someone like how, what does what does one do? That's when that such happens? a good question, and it happens so often because as a designer, you can see all the layers and all the finishes and how everything builds on each other. And I cannot tell you how often, at whatever point during the project, when a part of things are in, and a homeowner will like freak out at whatever the floor color or like a big thing, right? Or um, I don't know. It, insert anything. <laughs> and if you know, if you're sure that for, for what they want, you know, what the end goal is, then it's a lot about holding hand and saying, you know, we've looked at all the samples. 
this looks exactly in the house the way it did. Remember, and I can't tell you how often I'll bring all the finishes back over and be like, lay them out and be like, let's go through a reminder. Because while all of the things on a project wake me up in the middle of the night, and my mind is constantly refining and working. And, you know, it's it's every creative person's curse. Is it just you go, 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 never, you know, you're always a lot of time hummers, they have life. And this is just one part of their life, right? It's an important part. I don't mean to diminish it, but they're not going to remember every finish that they've approved in every fabric. I, I cannot tell you how many times on on the after the install, people walk in the house and they'll be like, I love the drapery. I didn't remember that. Are those whole rooms? Is that what we approved? <laughs> yep. I mean, constantly people will call me and be like, can I see whatever the master bedroom again? I'm like, sure, come on by the office or you may bring it out to the site because they're so caught in the moment of where they are in construction. They're not thinking of the whole picture. Right. And so that's helpful to just be like, let's look at it all again. Let me remind you of everything we've ordered, everything we've approved. And then people take a breath again. Right. Okay, so say I am building my house. I don't have an interior designer. Mm -hmm. I'm working directly with a contractor or developer or whoever it may be. What can I do to keep myself <laughs> on track? Like, should I make up some poster to hire? But Carolyn, <laughs> you, you, are you talking about yourself? Or are you talking no, about? I'm asking questions. Like you. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, I'm saying sh if someone it's is knows, I'm not. You know, I'm. I can afford to build a house, but I can't afford to have a designer with me the whole way through. Mm -hmm. um, what can they do? Like, should they make a poster board and oh, you're gonna, pin all their fabric? Yeah, you're going to really hate my answer. Oh, hire do you. it. You cannot afford to not have a designer. Yeah, and here's the reason why: you can do it once. Or then you could, which is how the second thing has happened to me a lot, where then you're in and you're, and you're like, um, can you come now and like make this work? Fix it. Yeah. And fix and it. And that's not a bad answer, Tish. That's a, that's a very, it's like, not, honestly reasonable answer. You know, let, let me, I'm the professional. I'm going to make the right decisions for you and save you money. Right. In the that's long exactly run, I'm going to save you money. And the, the add on to that. Be really open with whatever designer. This is my budget. This is what I can do. So it may mm -hmm. mean, to your point, that a designer picks whatever the bigger things or does the master plan, but isn't at every construction meeting, isn't, you know, whatever. I mm -hmm. would personally say that they need to be as integral as the builder, the architect. You know, there's a core team that has to work together to truly make a project successful. But work as much as possible because you spend much more money fixing, which is really hard to come in as a designer later and, and be like, well, I really want to say all these things work. Unfortunately, there are some things here that just mm -hmm. can't work. And I'm very sorry to deliver that news. It's like yeah. being audited on your taxes, right? Oof. I'm so sorry. Your house is being now audited. But, um, but joking aside, it's just <laughs> it ends up saving you money. Okay. Yeah. No. no, it makes sense. Yeah, it does. Yeah. I know. Yeah. It's it back to the comment we got years and years ago about the, you know, you you hire a doctor when you need a doctor. <laughs> you, you trust the professional and they're professionally, they do this for a living. So, yeah. right. Yeah. And a good designer can stay within the budget. That's right. And your budget doesn't have to be crazy. It can no, be. No, it doesn't. I have jobs that people are surprised what I did it for. If, 
I don't tell anyone what the budgets are for anything but homeowners and that other jobs where the budgets are, you know, exponentially larger. To me, it, it doesn't matter. It's your home. It's not my home. Mm-hmm. And you guys have resources we don't have. Right. You know, you know where to find things. I'm just going to go out and buy something retail. And you're like, okay, let me handle this for you. <laughs> I'll get this. Mm-hmm. Right. True. Mm-hmm. Right. I want to know, back to your, you know, your peaceful comment and how that is something you infuse. How does one do that in your, because all your spaces really do read this very peaceful feeling. And I want to know how are you doing it? How can we do it? (laughs) Sure. So it is one of the things that's most important to me. Um, It is actually one of, yeah, it's one of the things that's most important to me on any project. It's all about, and I tell every homeowner this, and it's funny because I have people that I've worked for for years and they start reciting things back to me and I'm like, "Mm -hmm." Um, but not everything in a room can be a star. So you have to decide what things are going to be the key features architecturally, meaning finishes. I'm not an architect, but through the finishes, what pieces of furniture, what fabrics are the star, what pushes, pushes forward, and then what things are support, what pulls back to then help the star become the star so that everything's not screaming at each other. So that's one of the key things is to get a really great balance through color or non-color. doesn't matter. I mean, I have houses um, that there's so much color that it comes off as a neutral and it still feels really peaceful. Um, Furniture pieces, not everything can be, you know, the big wompy over the top because if it all is, then it, it starts to feel like a circus, right? So what's the key? What um, what emotion do you want to come through in a room? Do you want it to be um, have a little bit more fun vibe, a little more serious vibe? A lot of studies, you know, are a little more serious. It's the place where you're going to sit down. You know, you're going to sit the teenager down. Or is it the family gathering space, the heart of the home, the kitchen, you know? So you let the personality of the space that it's meant to be become part of it as well. In conjunction with color, um, lighting is incredibly important. Um, I can always talk about lighting because not only the fixtures, um, because those are obviously a lot of times one of the stars of a space, but then the ambient lighting, the task lighting, the, the percent of natural lighting. I tend to always use the same Calvin for all the cans so that it's the most natural light within a house. What's your favorite, Calvin? 3,000. Okay. Um, even my office lights I had put to that. And the reason why is every one of our projects are done at 3000. And so okay. when you lay out a fabric on my conference table, you can truly see the depth and range of color because it's so pure. You know, and it it's going to look the same in your client's home. If you've exactly. got the matching bulbs. Exactly. So smart. Okay. Yeah. Is that, is that only for cans or is that for table, like in table lighting too? It's, for, it's really for cans. Okay. Um, it's really. So, would you for, do something warmer for? Um, I do tend to use like the um, the warm white. You know, the very classic. Mm-hmm. I try to stay like every designer, or just about, I would suspect. I try to stay away from anything that has that blue or green tint to it. Yeah. Like just the really mm-hmm. warm, comfortable, the things that feel soothing. Um, so, with all of those things together, with the balance of furniture, color, the features within the room, the lighting. When you walk in, it doesn't matter if it's contemporary traditional, transitional, whatever, bold color, peaceful, it, I mean, a neutral, it should just feel like it wraps around you. And then the last thing, and the thing that's probably the most important 
is it has to reflect the homeowner. So it has to feel collected over time, not like we just ran out and bought everything in the room. So that it really reflects who they are and where they've been. Um, and then the other key thing, which doesn't play as much to peacefulness, but I also consider it to be um, one of the key things to our profession as designers is people know what they want most of the time. Even if they can't say it, you know, through pictures, through whatever, they can show you what they want. But a lot of times what they really want isn't what's coming out of their mouth. It's slightly beyond that. So our job is to take people where they can't really go on their own, but that's the place they really want to go. They just kind of want to tiptoe a little farther and, and you're just easing them there. And then it's this fresh space. You know, it's this fresh new part of their life, which is really so rewarding. Now, I know that you're studied in feng shui. Mm-hmm. Right. So does any of that play into this? Oh, sure. Sort of yeah. idea piece? Everything I do um, does. I mean, it's so natural to me at this point that I don't even think about it. it but I do it all through um, the balance. Everything I just said, the balance in color, the balance in pieces, the balance in light, um, all of those points. I don't do a. I don't practice a very classic feng shui with like, you know, the dragons and this and that, although I definitely studied it. I, I look at a very Western approach of making sure it's all about balancing a space in from all the different um, points that, that we've talked about through, you know, color, through furniture, through furniture placement, um, lighting, just how to artwork, how to bring it all together. I have a question about your project. And I think on your website, it's called Brookwood Hills. Oh, yeah. And I loved that California um vibe to it. And the thought, the thing that I really loved about it was that um, it really had this sort of earth tone kind of color palette to it. Um, So, you know, sort of like clay, ochre, like kind of very muddy colors. Um, But the house felt so fresh, so light. And I was curious, like how, because, you know, when you think of those, those earth tones, they're muddy. And so they are I don't know. I guess they, they don't necessarily feel light to me, but right. the way you use them did. So I was curious how you did that and how, how basically how to use earth tones correctly. So that was another project that I could talk about forever. It's a longtime client. I met her in 2004 and have worked on houses along the way for her. Um, Keith Summerhour was the architect and he's really brilliant in the way that he not only sights a house, right, sits it, but then the way he controls light through all of the windows. And we had a, a lot, a lot of meetings and the homeowner was very, very involved because they wanted it to feel the light and airiness. The interesting thing is you said the California vibe, they're actually from California. Um, and so again, this house really, really reflects who they are. And I think it's just as fresh as it today as it was the day they moved in it. But um we worked as a team, but we we all really, really worked at the coloration, you know, the natural floor against the plaster walls and what, how distressed were the beams going to be? Like how much age came into the beams? Was the limestone on that fireplace going to be really clean or was it going to have 
a little age to it as well. Like what was the balance between it looking like a house that was a hundred years old and looking at a house of today, but that it felt like it had an inherent age to it, which is where it landed. Right. So, and then the whole idea of the finishes balancing against the lightness of the fabrics, but then grounding it with the earth tones um, in the rug. So, and there's not nearly as many window treatments in that house as there are in a number of my projects. It's right. It's, and it's for several reasons. One of which is it, it ended up having nice privacy because the land of the landscaping and how it sat on the lot. But it forced through those metal windows so much light that it, it just gave a freshness. Um, so you're right. Neutrals can turn out or tones and neutrals can turn out muddy. But she tends to like neutrals that are a little bit more to the taupe side. But then we blended it with neutrals that were a little bit more to the beige side. So balancing those two together kept it light instead of bringing it bringing it down towards muddy. Yeah. So do you think that we should like a room or a space that has a lot of natural light is a better candidate for those colors, or could you could you use those colors in in a room if you have like say north facing light or something? Sure, you could use those colors in any room. It's just getting the right combination of fabrics again, and also the right. Um, tone on the walls mm-hmm. okay. we tested mm-hmm. a number of paints in that house I and mean, I, I don't know how many uh-huh. pounds we went through to get that one just right for the areas of the house that are painted versus the plaster but once it came together um in the the lime wash in the library um, which is actually the dining room it's a dual purpose room very cool uh, it took a good number of rounds to get that blend just right and it's okay because we started early and it was really important that it balanced the floor and the ceiling well. So, and we just continued to work with the artisan until it came out to be what it, it needed to be. Well, I loved it. I thought it was so pretty. Thank it's you. Right. So that's my favorite. It was beautiful. Uh, and the word muddy, you know, that's not a good word. I don't think no, we should use it. <laughs> it's not a good word. No. But you know what I'm saying? But earth tones but, are beautiful and they take on so many personalities and can go in so many different directions muddy right but if you're talking about no but it's true it can it can get muddy it can get that oh what this mist it's like using a toper that i think i love and then all of a sudden i've created this 90s mud house (laughs) that everyone's gonna vomit on that's my biggest fear of using topes so even think about like blue you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like if you have a blue sometimes muddy is just the way to describe it because it's not a clear blue it has that muddiness to it i don't know that's just the only way i can describe it it's not i don't mean it bad well y'all are probably noticing this that you know how gray was so big gray and now everything that's coming back in, there's a lot more browns coming back mm-hmm. into play yeah. and a lot more taupes coming into play. And yes. the terracottas are really big right around the corner. And that's starting to hit like crazy against the blues, against the greens. So the whole base palette is starting to shift again, which is just really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I, so many of, not so many, I, maybe an equal number of the things in your portfolio seem to either be very, very neutral intense color um and what do you do you have a preference and do you think that 
there is a personality of a client that um, gravitates towards one or the other? Yes, um, there is a personality. Each one of, and you're right, my projects a lot of times end up being very quiet, neutral, or very bold. It's really a reflection of the homeowners. And um, my personal house is very quiet. Um, my children tease me that everything that I love is has to do with wet sand, the colors in an oyster shell, the <laughs> ocean, or parts of the sky. And it's 100% true. That is my personal palette. But it doesn't mean... It, it doesn't matter what my palette is when I'm working for somebody else. Um, I just fin finished a, um, a house in Atlanta that's affectionately known as not your average downsize because it started <laughs> as a downsize and it is about 30,000 square feet and anything but a downsize. Um, and it's absolutely an incredible house. Like what? Incredible. 30,000 square feet. Oh, yeah. I, it's not uncommon for, I mean, I've have had, Anyway, but that, one of the houses that is on my website that's very bold was their old house. And now it, it makes me want to chuckle because when we started the new house, she was like, we're going to use some brown. And she said it like she was delivering a piece of news. And I was like, okay, <laughs> you're ready to introduce brown. She's like, I've never had brown in any one of my houses. And so as we started to work and on the project, there's about 7,000 square feet of Belgian bluestone flooring in the house. You know, that really beautiful deep and all of these accordion doors and 24 foot ceilings in main area. And, you know, these 40 foot long skylight. I could go on and on and on with the features of the house. But very quickly, what it ended up evolving into is I went to her and I was like, we're using so many different metals in the house. That's the base for your interiors. So let's think of all the colors of gold, white gold, copper, pewter, champagne gold, you know, all, think of all the metals. That's where we're starting. And while strong color has come into it against it, like we have this gorgeous kind of peacock blue in part of the house and um, gosh, I mean, name it colors, but um, some gold, some fuchsia. Um, there is fuchsia and there's a room that's all about Chartreuse. fuchsia. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot there's <laughs> name it there, it's in the house but the whole base of the house is is off of metals so the base coloration and then everything else pulls in and pushes back depending upon room what room you're in again it actually comes off very peaceful i'm so excited for this house to come out and be published because it is it's really it's unlike any house um but anyway it comes off very serene. You know, even when you're standing in this room, when you walk in, the front door is 12 feet tall and seven and a half feet wide and the whole thing pivots. Um, but you walk into this enormous room that's two stories. It's the living room, dining room together. But somehow it, I mean, it's grand and it's big and it's, but it's comfortable. So it still is peaceful and comfortable. It's got bold color. It's got neutrals. It's got metals. It's got dark. It's got light. It's got everything playing against each other, but it just gets quiet. I feel like I noticed in one of your bolder uh, palette homes that the bodies of the upholstery were very, very traditional. The lines of them were, 
I mean, almost like something like I went to my grandma's house, I got her furniture and I upholstered it in the boldest stuff I could come up with. Am I off base there? Or was that an intentional thing where you're like, all right, if I'm going to go all this crazy with color, I'm going to kind of take the lines of the furniture back to a little more of a classic. Um, Yes and no. One of the projects I think you're referring to, there were a number of pieces that we recovered and the house had been, that was a renovation and the house had been very traditional to start, but she Mm. wanted it to be very fun and vibrant. Mm. Um, and with, that's okay. That's a fun idea. Yeah, it was great. It was a lot of fun to work with. And we, we, we brought in some new pieces. We recovered a lot of things. We restyled some things. Um, but it did have, I do like, I do like classics. Um, I tend towards my transitional clean lines when I'm specifying, but when people mm-hmm. have very traditional pieces, happy to work with them does not, it's great. I mean, you know, it's, it's all about bringing the homeowner's point of view forward, you know, bringing right. what, they, mm-hmm. what their comfort level is. Um, Makes sense. But I do, I do love really classic pieces. Lately, I've been using a lot of mid-century pieces and that's been a lot of fun. You know, even putting that with more traditional mm-hmm. pieces or very contemporary pieces, depending upon the project is it's added a fun twist to a, a lot of my recent projects. How often does your average project take from start to finish? Um, it depends. So I do work on jobs that are all sizes um, or a lot a wide range, right? Not everything I do is construction related. So when it's straight interiors, it's a lot quicker. Um, if someone just wants me to come in and furnish, do furniture, window treatments, um, art accessories, you know, just more quote unquote decorating, you know, then the the interiors versus the whole um, soup to nuts. Um, depending upon the size of the house and order time, like four to six months, because, you know, a lot of lead times are going to be eight to 10 um, to order. Some things longer, some things shorter. Um, construction, it depends on, you know, when I'm in from the beginning of a project, it depends on the size of the house. So... Mm-hmm. Okay, that it, makes sense. It can be anywhere from 18 months. Um, I have some projects that are four years. If they're really big houses and and we're involved through the, the architectural plan and then permitting and is always going to take longer than people But you think. hope that's a young client, right? You don't want somebody <laughs> 75 to be like, all right, let's start this project. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe are, we'll finish. Those are just the really big houses that, you know, that take one of our houses that, took that long was purposely slowed because they decided to add a guest house so that um, her parents and sister could come live on the property. So the main house was slowed so that that could um, catch up. So then the trades could be moving through at the same time. So that's why that house took so long. Yeah. It's less expensive, right? It's less trip charges for everybody. Ah, okay. Ah. That makes sense. That makes sense. I have one last question. And it was about the show house that we did together. Um, mm-hmm. I think it was 2014. Uh, we did the Atlanta Symphony Show House. We partnered with you and you did an amazing bedroom. And I just wanted to ask you, because at the time, um, I think it was one of our, you know, maybe first, second, third show houses. We hadn't done a ton at Ballard. Um, and I was so impressed with the way that you took some of our items and customized them. Um, 
to make them feel really special for your room. So for instance, there was a caned headboard, a Louis style cane headboard, and you took it uh, and had it upholstered. So it had the frame still around the edge, but this the interior of it was upholstered. And I, and I, I think you even took like the bedside tables and had them painted or refinished, that kind of thing. Do you mind just touching on that kind of idea of taking something, not being so tied to the idea of, oh, I paid, you know, so much for this. I can't edit it in any way. Um, you know, really kind of taking something and making it your own. Oh, I'm really glad you asked that. And it's a great lead into the decorating dilemma because I'm going, I believe we're going to talk about that same space. But um, it was the 2014 um, Symphony Showhouse in Atlanta. And it was um, Traditional Home is, was the media sponsor at that time. And when they paired me with, they asked if I would work with you guys. I was like, sure, I use their product. I'd be happy to. And the assignment was, the assignment or the ask was, show how we customize. And I was like, awesome. What are the limits? <laughs> and they were like, what's your imagination? Well, the interesting thing is, um, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but that ended up being a bedroom that I did for my daughter for her 16th birthday. So your pieces, I ended up <laughs> buying for, and it was all done for a sweet 16. Oh. It was so sophisticated. Yeah. What? All of that furniture or most of it is in the house I'm sitting in right now in my now 22 year old's bedroom. So I designed that for her. Like that was a reflection of who she was at 16. Wow. And um, really sweet. It's It was so special. And it was really, side note, so much fun at the opening night party. I couldn't be there. So she worked the space. And, um, and she would talk about it. And she would talk about, well, so, you know, my mom took this Ballard headboard. And you can, you know, if you look, you can see that, it, look it up, it's caned. But she wanted it tufting, tufted because I like to lean back when I'm reading or studying for school. And I like everything French. So it took it more into a French direction or um, the bedside tables had that beautiful French blue. And then we changed the hardware and um, and people could not, the whole show, people could not believe that it was Bauer Furniture that we had I mixed it with some antiques. Yeah, you just tweaked it a little. Most mm -hmm. of, the, there was a sofa, two chairs, side tables, the bedside tables, the bed. I mean, the majority of the furniture in the room was oh. out. Well, she would go, when she went down to the tent later that night to get dinner, you know, or whatever, you know, the party, people mm -hmm. were coming up to her. Are you the sweet 16? Are you the sweet 16? <laughs> because word had gotten out in the party that there was a room done for a child. Oh my party, gosh. Very young woman. But, um. It was so easy to um, that you all did most of the um, the changes um, as Ballard's, you know, most of the customization I came and met and said, so within, you know, can I, can I tuck this or do I need to do this after the fact? And the upholstery department was like, sure, just give us a layout. We'd love to work with you on that. Or, you know, the, the nightstand comes in this color are, is, are you all capable? You know, I was trying to be very respectful, right? Um, Look, we don't normally do that. So people, do not oh, call okay. us. Right. Well, for <laughs> this show, how shall we your chest. I, okay, oh, so sorry. I guess the point is people can. 
yeah. go take yeah. something and have mm -hmm. it reconfigured or change the pulls yeah. or change the finish or, you know, have it reupholstered. Or I think that was the, so, to me such a beautiful way uh -huh. to reinterpret something. And I hate to say, I don't want to say the word mass because I wouldn't consider Ballard to be mass, but something that is off the shelf. Um, to make it, like you said at the beginning of this, you know, personal to you and what's going to work in your life. And don't think of, you know, just don't look at something on the screen and go, oh, it only comes in black. And oh, the hardware is silver or whatever. Brush nickel. I want brass. Like, you know what? That can become anything you want. Are the lines right? Is the proportion right? Is the feel of that item right? Then, you know, adjust it accordingly. Yeah. And I love the way you did that. You did a yeah. beautiful job. Your Thank daughter's you. lucky. <laughs> she was so sweet and so grateful. It was really sweet. But you're, I mean, you're exactly right on people coming in to the store or looking online. It's, it's like when we're presenting on any project and we're showing the lines of a sofa. Well, most manufacturers don't necessarily show it in just white muslin. So then you have to get a homeowner to look past <laughs> the fabric that any manufacturer chose to put on their catalog photograph of this sofa and be like yeah mm -hmm. but just look at the lines and people it's really hard i mean there are days that i'm like i hate that sofa well i don't hate that sofa what i hate is the fabric the lines of the sofa are perfect so yeah. you know, i'll do it right <laughs> exactly. it right but yeah no it's um it the, the pieces are are good quality and absolutely easy to work with Awesome. Well, you're a good advertisement. <laughs> Thanks. Well, we're going to package that no, up. No, we and... use it. I mean, we've actually ordered a few pieces lately, but um, for a, a project that we'll be installing soon, that um, that it just ended up being, you know, the right things for spaces. Perfect. Love well, it. should we should we dress our dilemma with her spaces and her right pieces? Yes, yes I have pictures pulled up. Let's do it. I love it. So Liz writes in and she writes, ladies, your podcast is amazing. I feel lucky to have stumbled across it at the same time I purchased my first home, an 1885 Victorian in Mobile. Shout out to Caroline. <laughs> <laughs> Binge listening to all of you at your episodes has been a joy. My design dilemmas are many, but I will start by asking for your advice regarding a puzzling master bedroom layout. The intended look was the bed in front of the windows with chandelier from Ballard Lovett, above to be a dramatic focal point upon entering the room. However, the chandelier is not centered to the window and bed, and the windows are not centered to the back wall. I think this will not matter much once I have drapes, rug, and lamps and artwork in the room, but if I need to move around things around, I want to do it before I purchase those things, as that will change what I need. The other layout option is to put the bed with the headboard to the left wall and the foot towards the fireplace. Um, the fireplace does not work, so no worries about space around it. This is a functional layout, but less pretty and dramatic. The door behind the mirror goes to another bedroom and does not open due to furniture on the other side. Any other suggestions, welcome. The bed and armoire are staying, but all of the pieces and remnants from prior homes and can be moved elsewhere. Any suggestions for drapes and rugs and etc. Also welcome. Do I need to have the chandelier moved? That sounds expensive. Love the show, Liz. <laughs> All right. So before you answer, Tish, let me just sort of describe this room. It is cool. Okay. It is not ginormous. It is a, looks to be a sort of a long, narrow bedroom. And she appears to have 
I would guess a queen bed pushed against one of the short walls and it has two windows on it that are very tall, very tall, like, I don't know, eight feet tall, 10 feet tall, very, very high ceilings, um, very high windows. And, but like she said, the windows are not centered on this wall. Like the, the space to the left of one window is way larger than the space to the right of the other window. Then if you're lying in the bed, there's a fireplace on your left on the long wall. And then on, uh, is that right? On your left? Yes. Okay. And then I'm like, what? And then on your right, there is another wall with a doorway that um, is the door. Well, yeah, there's a doorway on that wall that you enter and exit the room. And then past the fireplace, if you're on the left, is another door that's this non-functional door that goes to a room where she has furniture that covers it up. And she has sort of a leaner mirror there. And then if you're lying in the bed straight in front of you is a wall that has an armoire. Um, so what should she do to make this amazeballs? Okay. I love this question. And I love that Liz is ready, like totally ready to take a chance. I agree 100% with her that the bed facing the fireplace is too expected. Um, and the room we were just talking about from the show house, I had the exact same challenge because the bed ideally should have been, or on a normal setup, should have been at the opposite of the room facing the fireplace. I chose to swing it around much like she's done here. Granted, it was a much longer and larger room. It's she. I do not feel that she needs to move the chandelier. You're welcome, Liz, because you're nodding <laughs> your head and you're very grateful right now. So what, you, what you're going to do is I also agree that window treatments are going to help this. You're going to do floor to ceiling panels. I see that there is a rod mounted just below the ceiling. Leave it there or even ceiling mount if you want to change it up and make it a little bit, um, a little bit more dramatic to match the light fixture. So you're going to weight the window treatments slightly more to then equalize the windows. If right now there's a little bit more room to, if you're looking at the bed to the left than there is to the right. So what you're going to do is break the plane past the trim into the window. Once you've done that, it gives you permission to break the plane a little bit farther on the left so that to balance it up. Beyond that, so then you can, at that point, you can center the bed because this, the opposite, the second side of both drapery pair will, will cover the whole middle part behind the bed. So all you see is the window openings, and now you've been able to balance that. You can then center the bed under the light fixture so that you, the eye will never know that it's not centered in the room. And then the next thing that I would suggest is don't do matching bedside tables. Do something that compensates for the size since there's a little bit more room on the left. Do complementary. It can be the same shape or you could do maybe something a little more circular on one side, rectangular on the other. Make them deliberately different because then that will help um, that will help balance it as well. The um, if you look at the opposite side of the room, the doorway is a little interesting. <laughs> Um, you can leave the armoire where it is, but the part of the door to the right um, of the fireplace, the door that you don't use, the mirror there feels awkward. So I would find another place to put a mirror that's not in the bedroom um, and do a nice chair there. If you aren't going to be 
going through that doorway because there's furniture on the other side, utilize it as a place, you know, reading nook. You can even do repeat the drapery, right? And bring it around that corner if you want to. But just then create a seating area, maybe a barrel type chair, because then it makes, you know, something that's very rounded that makes sense that it's scooted back with a table next to it and then a, um, a nice ottoman with it. And then that will that will create the coziness there. Um, art is going to be really important in this space. I would likely, if it were me, I would float a piece of art over the fire, I mean, over the um, headboard. Hanging it from the ceiling is probably going to be the easiest if you don't have an art installer. Do a large piece floating in front of the drapery. Um, when this airs, I'll, that day I'll post on Instagram the, the bedroom from the show house. Um, so it'll be an easy reference. Um, Liz, if you're hearing this, if you just hop on and you can take a peek at it and see how the piece of art floating in front of the drapery can help. Again, it'll help balance the um, the windows and then again, art over the fireplace. And then the whole room will start to come together. Rug, I would do an overscaled rug, something that's a lot longer to connect so that you get almost the full width of the room. You have to be careful of the hearth, right? but then bring it farther out from the bed than you would expect to. So then it helps the chair and the ottoman connect into the, into the space. Tish, do you think it'll need to be a custom rug? Cause um, I feel like it's long, narrow. Yeah. Um, they, she can do something really easy, like use Broadloom, you mm -hmm. know, go to a place like in Atlanta, we have a place called Myers. Myers. I don't, you know, I don't know what's in, I would have to look up what's in mobile, but, um, but it's easy to have something cut. Um, get an oversized sisal and have it cut and bound. Um, but you're you're right. The likelihood of finding something that's going to be that long and narrow is going to be hard. Um, so I, this is probably not the decorator's way to do this, but this is the lazy person's way to do uh -oh. this. <laughs> I, um, no, no, I, I, in my in our old house, um, we did something sort of similar where we had the entire um, two entire walls of drapery because of the windows. Anyways, I don't need to get into it, but long story short, I hung a painting over my headboard, but because it was all drapery, there's wasn't a wall to hang it on. But so what I did is I just hung it using like 60 pound fishing line. Yeah. That's exactly um, how you do it from, from your drapery curtain rod. rod. Yeah, yeah, from the drapery rod. Yeah, or from the ceiling so, just in front of it. Just do really small. Yeah, it's exactly. There's um, the pieces hanging that I'll end up posting. There's fishing line you can't see in that. That's actually hidden behind the drapery for that particular. But absolutely, perfect. fishing that's line just is clear. It's a it's a designer's friend. Okay, great. Go. Look, I didn't even know it. I'm so smart. No, um, but I did have another question for you because in the photo she's showing, she has. What actually looks like pillowcases, not sure if it is, but it looks like pillowcases, um, like tacked to the bottom half of the windows. Do y'all see this? And no, um, I think they're like they, little pull-up blinds. Sheer. Yeah. Uh, like that is cabin. fabric. Oh. It is. It's fabric? It looks like fabric to me. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was little sheer blinds from bottom up. Okay. I don't okay. think so. So that would so, be the first order of business. Yeah. Let's get you so, some but, real ones. But, but what should she do if um, – I'm assuming she needs that privacy. So should she just keep the curtains drawn all the time? So, yeah, there's a couple different things. She could 
have the drapery panels and then have sheer, just something very sheer in front of the windows. She can do more of a cafe shade, which is um, from the midpoint down. Um, There are some companies, um, I know Hunter Douglas makes this, but I don't know who else does, that there are shades that you pull up or pull down. You can have, you know, it's like a reverse Roman shade, basically, Mm -hmm. that you can pull up and it will stay. For me, if it were my house, I would do draperies and shears. And then at night when you need to pull the drapes. What about the idea of frosting the bottom windows? Do you hate that idea? Um, Just go say it if you do. It's okay. No, I don't know. The thought that came to mind is that's a big commitment. Mm -hmm. Like once you've done that, it is done. You Mm -hmm. can. Okay. Well, I did this once in my rental house. (laughs) <laughs> but no, there's a film that you can buy mm-hmm. at Home Depot that's just like you spray on. Yeah, so you can get it off with a razor or something like that. That is yeah. true. Oh, there is. I'm right. not saying that's what she should do. I'm just saying that that is a product that exists and it's not permanent. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're right. I don't think about that, but you're right. But um, I like the cheers. I like the share idea best. That's probably what I would do too. It adds a little layering in romance. Mm-hmm. Right, right. The, the, you, you can get a, easily get a double rod. Um, and you, the shears on the back rod and your other draperies on the front rod and you're, you're done. Now, the other thing is once she has her bedside tables selected and in place and she does her lamps, then again, look at the, the, um, the, that show house room to the right bedside table where I'm going back in my memory. Now I did a piece of a, a little bit taller piece of art on the back side of the bedside table. So you could literally put a taller piece of art on the backside to block and then let the light filter around it. Yeah. And create layering and then, you know, Mm -hmm. finish the accessorizing to round it out. Um, Okay. I have one more question for you. If, if one has mismatched nightstands, do you match the lamp? Mm. My goal is for the lamps to end up being the same height. Okay. So it doesn't look like a giraffe and a pony. <laughs> you know, that, that that really big height difference tends to bother me. So okay. if the bedside tables are the goal in picking two bedside tables is to pick them the same height, just different shapes or very cool. close, but then equalize it with the lamp height. That was a great question. Okay, cool. And actually, it already looks like she has a double rod. I zoomed in real close and it looks like a double rod. And okay, one more question and that's where I'm at. So the rod that she has is just very basic. There's no finial at the end. And I was curious, is are finials things that people use anymore? Do we just do caps? Like what is great question. On trend. Capping lately, yes. I I don't use many finials, mm, but I haven't yeah. even when they were big to use because okay. I love the fabric. Um, to be the again back to the something has to be the star right I love the gracefulness of the fabric coming down being more the star and the and the drapery hardware being a support character so there are beautiful finials in the world I just don't typically use them there you go I gotta go expunge every finial from my house now. I know I'm probably getting get, an, get, get an email from ready. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You know what? Things change. It's just like you know in fashion when you wear something and it's not quite right, and then ten years later it's perfect. You know it's okay. It's all right. 
things change. Okay, I swear, I actually have one more question. Caroline. Caroline. I'm sorry, but I just want to clarify. I want to point out to everyone case... listening, it's 1024 at night, and Caroline, Caroline. has one more question. So we're okay. all here for it. Okay, <laughs> one thing, real quick. All right, so her, her rod that is already there in the space, it is not symmetrical on the wall. Yes. And I, w- I heard what you were saying about the drapery, but I'm just curious if the if you're looking at the bed, if the bracket on the left, does she need to center that drapery rod? Does she need to extend it further? Um, like that is that is an entry point. The drapery needs to go wall to wall. Okay, so that's what I the, thought. I just yeah. wanted to no sure. the the new drapery rod needs to go all the way to the wall. Okay, so, so she that, needs to extend that side further to the left. Hopefully, yep. it's an extendable rod. And yeah, the bracket. Well, I hope it's bracket. not an extendable rod. I hope she gets a new rod that's just really beautiful and doesn't telescope. <laughs> okay, right. But but there. wall to wall is perfect because then it stays really quiet. If you're cool. gonna if you're gonna do this full the eye store, you got to go all in. Right and like get everything do in there. Perfectly. Yeah, it's your master bedroom, girl. Treat yourself. Make it right. Well, she definitely wants it right, which I love. Um, she just needs a little help on on that symmetry. It's so you guys when you get online, you got to look at these pictures because it's just like slightly off. <laughs> yeah, so no, that Liz, symmetry is a challenge. When Liz gets done, she needs to send you guys a photograph of that. She sure. always yes. love after people. I got to tell you, you listeners, you're not as good as you should be at sending <laughs> your afters. <laughs> if you we get an after of this, please. Please send we'll it to me. We will. Please. We will. So we can give her a shout out. It gives us joy. Okay, well, see, I'm done. I have no more questions. Thank you, Caroline. <laughs> so we can wrap up. Tish, <laughs> and everyone I can go to sleep. Talking to you. Yes. Again, girl. Oh my gosh, so many good practical yes. tips we need and drinks as soon as that is an option again. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. I would love it. I'm open anytime as soon as we're allowed. You guys were so great to chat. I would chat, chat with y'all anytime. We could have done this for another, for the next awesome. hour yeah. till 1124. <laughs> if I don't, I don't know. Off, yes. no, we won't. <laughs> right. No, but thank you guys. It was really, really great. I love listening to you. Y'all are a hoot. And the no. way you play off of each other is really fun. <laughs> well, thank you. That's well, thank you. Can you tell everyone where they can find you, follow you, see your work, all that good stuff? Um, my website is harmoniousliving.net. Um, on Instagram, I am Tish Mills. On Facebook, I am Tish Mills. It's very hard to find me. Just look for my <laughs> name. But um, but yeah, give me a follow. Send me a note. Say hello. I love to, to hear how people stumble across me. All right. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. You can leave us a review in your podcast app. We would love to read it. And of course, subscribe to the show so it downloads straight to your phone. The show notes for each episode are at howtodecorate.com slash podcast and follow us on social media. And the How to Decorate podcast is now a skill on your Alexa. That's right. So you can just ask Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast after you go and enable it under the skills on amazon.com. Yes. Super easy. Super easy. Tell Alexa to play the How to Decorate podcast and your life will be so much happier. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, happy happy decorating. decorating.